I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. Cam Newton signs. A lot of people unimpressed. Vegas is unimpressed. Patriots odds do not improve. They are now 40 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. That's the 18th favorite. That means the Patriots are below average chance to win the Super Bowl in the NFL next year. Continuing the battle of the salary cap, Tom Brady extends a year, but more importantly, 19 million freed up in the cap. That's huge for the Bucks. Speaking of huge, the biggest NBA point spread of the season, the Jazz favored by 18 and a half over the Rockets tonight. In the last 25 years, there's been 29 favorites as big, 29 and 0 straight up. Here comes a four hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is straight out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Friday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans to know more than their buddies. And I tell you, this uh, this is in my wheelhouse. Sports, you know, gambling, but the finance of it. And I think that a lot of shows shy away from it, but we do. And it's been proven. This show has the smartest audience in sports talk. And they understand, hey, we're not going to wallow in the minutiae. We're not going to talk about the numbers ad nauseum, but we're going to identify what numbers matter and how it's going to affect what happens on the field. And today's a big day for that. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got quarterback movement in the NFL, we've got conference uh, tournaments going on in college basketball as we wait for a selection Sunday. But what is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. Yeah, and the New England Patriots re-signed quarterback Cam Newton. It's a one-year contract worth up to almost $14 million. And according to reports, it's worth around $6 million tied to incentives. So Cam Newton back in New England with the Patriots. Okay, so the latest numbers are saying $6 million or so is the base? $6 million or so are tied to incentives, so it's worth up to $14 million. Okay, so they're saying the base is about $8 million then. That, that's what I've seen. Yeah. I'm just doing some quick math in my head. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's interesting because if you really think about this, if you think about Cam as, oh my gosh, it's the former MVP. And remember, it wasn't that long ago, a year ago or so, that we were just every show we were saying, where's Cam going to go? Why hasn't Cam been signed yet? You know, is it because of COVID that he's not getting his uh, physical and that's causing problems. That was one of the biggest stories in sports all through, 
you know, the lead up to him signing with the Patriots. That's that isn't what this is about. This is about effectively signing a quarterback for maybe half or so, or maybe a little bit more of what Marcus Mariota is getting and contracted for to back up in Las Vegas, the Raiders. So I think that if you were judging this as, is Cam as good as he used to be? No, he's not. Or at least he's very likely not. Now, it's very possible, and you could make this case, I think, in a valid way, that last year wasn't really fair to Cam, that maybe he underperformed due to reasons. All right, what would those reasons be? One, it's a new offense, and it's COVID. So no preseason games, no you know, limited training camp, all of the things we've talked about that makes it hard for rookies. Last year it made it hard, hard for new coaches, and we've seen that. Across the board, the general direction on newness was bad. Also, speaking of COVID, the idea is that Cam missed a game, but by all accounts, he physically looked different after he came back from COVID. Now, Jonas, one of the things I really value from your perspective is that eye of the fan. Did Cam look uh, hindered, bothered, somehow affected post-COVID in a way he wasn't pre-COVID in his individual case of getting it? Yeah, and I don't know if obviously COVID had anything to do with it, but he did not play as effectively, seemingly didn't look as effective after he came back from the hiatus as opposed to before. Now, would you say that it would be fair to narrow that down even more and say that he physically didn't? It's one, a guy can look great physically and throw interceptions, right? Guy can look like Bernie Kosar uh, physically and throw touchdowns. It felt like Cam physically wasn't the same. Yeah, there, he was not the same. He didn't seem there wasn't the willingness to maybe run as much. I, I don't know. I mean, but again, I'm not in his body, so I don't know. If yeah, and I, what we're he talking felt, observations. But yeah, but it did look like as the season went on, he started to wear down a little bit. So to me, I'm always a skeptic on excuses. But when you buy low like this, it isn't. Is it certainly the case? But rather, could it be the case? Could it be that Cam, the lack of practice, the lack of prep time, all of the COVID restrictions hindered his ability on the field? Yes, it could be that. Could it be that Cam, after getting COVID, wasn't physically the same, but in a way that he's returned with you know 10 months of rest? That's possible. What we know for sure is the risk is very modest for New England, and the upside is there. I also think we can't forget this. Ask yourself in any situation in which you have imperfect information. We have imperfect information, as Jonas said. We don't know what Cam's feeling exactly. We're looking at it from the outside. But who has the most information, and what signals are they sending by their actions? Who has the most information about Cam as a quarterback? Bill Belichick, McDaniels, the Patriots organization. And what have they decided to do is give him a raise. He signed very cheap last year. He's still cheap this year. But they gave, in a time when the cap is down, they gave him a raise. 
to me, that feels significant in that I don't question Belichick on football at all, but I especially am not going to question him if he has greater insight than I do. If Belichick wants to sign someone and they sign him, to me, that's a good deal intrinsically. Jonas, what's your macro big picture take? Well, one, I'm, I'm happy for Cam Newton. He showed that he really does want to play. This is a guy who's got all the money he could he could possibly need, but he's played on a minimum deal last year. He's willing to come back this year. And it's clear Belichick liked something about him, whether it was we heard rave reviews about his leadership, mm-hmm. uh, his Locker. energy in the building, how hard he worked. Like He came in and took over a team that had been run by Tom Brady for 20 years and people could not speak highly enough about him when he was there the one year in New England. And so I I think Belichick looks at things differently from other coaches. Belichick looks at things situationally. I think he he game plans different for each and every game. He, he's got his system and his core beliefs, but he adjusts to each game. And I think Belichick looks at their situation and goes, we're not quite bad enough to draft a franchise quarterback near the top. Maybe we're not good enough to make a, a super deep run in the postseason, but for where we're at right now, to have a guy like Cam Newton makes a lot of sense, and that's why I'm not as down on it as a lot of people are and a lot of people have been so far. That's Jonas Knox. I'm R.J. Bell. I think, first of all, here's the analogy. Back in the day, and I remember as a kid going up to Convenient, That's that was a chain, I guess it maybe still is. It's like a 7-Eleven type but there was only one store like that in my little small coal mine in town. And I would go to Convenient. Hey, you going to Convenient? Yeah, let's go to Convenient. That was the convert. That was the big night when you were like 12. And they had the VHS tapes to rent, right? And it was like four bucks. You had to give your ID. It was like a big deal. This is back in the day, four bucks. If you got one movie and you took a chance, let's say it's the Cam Newton movie, it'd be like, oh, really? The Cam- That's the movie tonight? But imagine if they gave you a bonus movie for a quarter once you rented the first one. Well, I'm going to take the Cam movie figuring, hey, if it bombs, we only got to watch it for a few minutes. No big deal. And you know what? We might love this movie. So, yes, if you're judging Cam as, hey, the next starter or this season's starter for the New England Patriots, Cam Newton, I'm going to be going. But if you say, hey, Cam is there, his leadership in the locker room and stuff was strong, as Jonas said. Number two, and this harkens back to our conversation yesterday right here, Jonas, was who wants to play in New England? Obviously, Cam wants yeah. to play in New England. Because if he, he obviously didn't do the full rounds trying to get signed elsewhere, which he had the right to do. This yeah. is a little early to sign before the free, you know, in, effectively free agency hasn't started. So it's, would you agree? And I'm not saying it contradicts your point that some players don't want to play in New England. I do think there's that group that does. And those are the kind of players. I think Belichick wants. Yeah, I mean, and that those have been there. And Parcells had the same guys. It was yeah. I'm a Parcells guy. I'm a I'm a Belichick guy. And it does take a certain type. And so when you hear some of the players speak negatively uh, about Bill Belichick, Cam Newton's never said any of that. And I've heard him in the interviews. opposite. I think. Yeah, the complete opposite. I've heard him in interviews. Um, I've actually talked to players who have played for Belichick, and and the perception on the outside is not the same as on the inside. 
right? He does grind you. You've got to work. But Cam Newton was w- w- enjoyed that aspect of it, and maybe it was a welcome discipline that he hadn't had before in his career. Boy, that was a good – that it was insightful because, to me, you look at Cam not – going for the fumble in the Super Bowl, which is kind of the, the – and then the way he was in the press conference after the loss, that's a stink mark on his record, no doubt. But when you – I've said this a lot. If you, from the age of 12, 13 years old, every time you walk in a room, people's whispering, oh, yeah, that, that's that Cam guy. Yeah, he's – or kid, he's, uh, he's going to be in the league one day. If that happens, it's changing you, especially if you don't have a lot of privileges – just in your you know social station, your financial station, you're a kid that, that that doesn't have a lot of stuff given to him, and then you've got that. You are gonna more times than not, most kids are gonna wrap their arms around that, and then you go to college and they're throwing the cheerleaders and the, all the recruiting trips and. Come on, you're gonna feel pretty special. <laughs> then you win, you know, you win a national title. I mean, it, it's like to me. Auburn won, right? That national yeah. title? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy had it his way. He was the number one pick in the draft, number one overall. But then the idea that he hits a little friction. And remember, Cam was, what, 27, 28? When it not came crashing down, but when the trouble started? Yeah. I can speak for myself here, you know, in my 40s, is that the idea of – at 28, I still felt like, boy, I, I was pretty dumb in a lot of ways. I had just moved to Vegas that year when I was 28, and it's like I wasn't very sharp. So the idea of Cam somehow was imperfect or even more than imperfect before, and then he hit some trouble, and the way he emerges from it is he's a hard worker and he's a Belichickian kind of guy. Yeah. I think that says more about his character in the positive than anything in the past says in the negative because the past, to whatever degree it was negative, felt like a perpetuation of his circumstances so much more than his character. This feels like his character because we see it all the time, Jonas. A player who had a lot of athletic privilege hits trouble and they they, they retire, they, they quit working hard. It's like, look out below. And I don't know if Cam's going to deliver on the field, but I know that if we're assessing his character, which he's a guy that's been assessed a lot, this re-signing with the Patriots, to me, is a very positive sign. Last thought. I totally agree. I would love to, and this would take a little bit of research during the break, I want to know how many backup quarterbacks made more money than Cam Newton did last year as a starter. Like, that's how humbled he was. How many backup quarterbacks with a fraction of his accomplishments made more money than him last year? Though I would kind of say, and you can tell me if you agree, he didn't really have a choice last year. It feels like this year he might not have had a choice either, but he didn't even look. It feels like he didn't even go around looking. He wanted to redeem himself in New England. And to me, and again, I don't know if he had other opportunities last year, but by reports, it didn't seem like he did. Yeah, and, and he clearly wanted to play. He felt like this was an opportunity for him to start. So why wait around yeah. and go through the waiting game all over again? We're not even at the midpoint in March, and he's already re-signed. Yes, and, and, and to make your point, though maybe he didn't have a choice signing, he worked mighty hard by all accounts once he got there, with, which to me is a great statement for, yeah. for Cam. Now, wrapping up, all that said, the betting market has not moved 40-1, to 1, 
the Patriots, the 18th favorite, which means they're below average chance to win the Super Bowl. One closing 10-second thought. Others have said this. It makes sense to me. New England's going to be a buyer with all of their extra money underneath the cap now, so they got money to spend. Having Cam in there as a baseman is the worst case helps them as opposed to having no quarterback anyone respects. There might be someone better than Cam that shows up, but Cam being the baseline helps New England sign players during this signing period, and they're going to be most likely an active buyer. When we come back, another quarterback, this one on top of the world, Tom Brady, he did something today that reinforces why he's the greatest winner in football history. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, one team in the NFL made some move and cleared up a whole bunch of cap space. Yeah, and we talked about Cam in the first segment extensively, takeaways. If he ends up being the quarterback for the Patriots, probably a disappointment. But at the price, a really good deal for the Patriots. Going to help potentially, likely, with free agent signings in this interim period. But still, the Patriots have a below average chance to win the Super Bowl. They're the 18th favor. Belichick and the Patriots, 40-1. to 1. By the way, Jonas, last thing. As the reports are coming in on Cam, it looks like the NFL Network is saying it's more towards $9 million in incentives. And $14 million is the max amount everyone's agreeing on. Oh, okay. So, so we're moving towards you know, $3.5 million guaranteed, a couple million, like a likely achievement, and then the incentives. So a pretty good bargain. Pretty good yeah. bargain. Belichick doesn't overpay. Yeah, and plus, if you're Cam, it's about, uh, I, I mean, after taxes and agent fees last year, did he even make a million bucks on his salary? I mean, <laughs> poor, poor Cam didn't even make a million <laughs> for one of the worst seasons. <laughs> it's a great day to join because we're talking Tom Brady here in a minute. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. We're going to keep working not just as hard, harder. And with March Madness next week, we got a special show, Jonas. Shows we're bringing in two experts from across the country. One of them's a radio guy out of Houston, AJ Hoffman, and this guy especially knows college basketball like the back of his hand. We're gonna really be able to look at the bracket because we know even the non-betters out there love to play the NCAA brackets, and we've yeah. got tips that can help for sure. Well, so. and without without Duke and Kentucky this year, people are going to look for anything to keep them interested, you know, for long. Uh, so. That's an interesting point. First time since 1976. So thank you so much and you can listen on the In fact, Fridays are the day. We usually say the iHeartRadio app or others, but on Friday we talk about the podcast because if you missed anything during the week, so go to your favorite pod player, search for Straight Out of Vegas. 
And you can listen, catch up for the week right here in Vegas on the Strip. 54 degrees, the neon is chugging. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be saving a bundle this year. About $19 million they will save against the salary cap this season after they re-sign quarterback Tom Brady to an extension that ends up giving them a little more wiggle room when it comes to the salary cap. And Tampa Bay is doing what they're supposed to do. They have a, a very finite window to win Super Bowls, and they are going all in. And Brady's doing what Brady has done, and it's super admirable. He's taking less. Now, effectively, he's not taking less. <laughs> he's taking more. This is an additional year to his contract. So remember, he signed for two years before the move to Tampa, two years, 25 a year. Okay, now a year has passed. That means there's one year left. They gave him an additional year, and the reports are similar to the 2021 payout. So about 25, and that means after that year, so two more years to go, Brady's going to be, hmm, 45 years old. I've heard that number before, and he will have made, in theory, 75 mil in those three years with Tampa. So don't cry poor for Brady. In fact, this helps him by giving him an extra year because obviously – it's very possible that he hits the wall. As Fezzik said after being wrong nine straight times about Brady being too old, he goes, he's 44 next year. At one point, they're going to be right. They're going to be right. And Brady's got a little more security. But all that said, we don't begrudge the GOAT. is money. But the most important thing, as Jonas said, is the freed cap space. Because Tampa was number 26 in cap space, meaning they were – actually over the cap as of yesterday by $5.5 million. And now, think about the 19 or so, they've got about $14 million now to spend, and Shaq Barrett is you know being negotiated with. So to me, it's just a very good sign for Tampa. Brady's making even more money, and that's justified. Any takeaways, Jonas? Well, I just think they've identified, all right, this is our window. It's similar to – it actually reminds me a lot of Peyton Manning in Denver, to where Denver realized, yep. all right, we're going to have him for a short amount of time. Let's gun it. Let's try and, and, and do this as many times as possible and, and figure it out, and then we'll worry about it afterwards because they've already got one Super Bowl. If, they, if Brady's there four years and they end up with two Super Bowls and, and by year five he's gone and you've got to you know just gut the roster because you're – You've got salary cap problems. You'll trade those issues later on for the success you get now. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Tampa would have traded for one wild card game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really what you're saying is Tampa, at the end of all this, will be back to where they've been effectively the last, you know, 10 plus years. So, okay. Uh, It sounds like a It's like the guy that hasn't, that has like one date every three months. They're like, okay, you're going to be with a supermodel. It's only going to last four months, and then you're going to be alone. It's like, well, it's like the Cubs. <laughs> the, the Cubs had this window to try and win something, and they got the one World Series. And so if you talk to Cub fans, they'll say, hey, we got the one. That's all we were asking for. We're not, we're, we're not, you know, beggars can't be choosers here. Now it's a rebuild, but we, at least we got to see it once. And as a Steelers fan who went from 1980 to 2005 without a Super Bowl, and that was between you know my uh, you know being a kid to being in my 30s, it was a situation where 
that first one, and I know it's not really the first one for me, but the first one, the joy of that is unlike anything. Like when Pittsburgh won again and I was actually at the game against Arizona, I'll be candid. It wasn't near as exciting as that first one. So, and I wanted them to win against Green Bay and Mendenhall, mm, that fumble. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it would have been nice. But that first, so if you're one of these uh, bad luck franchises, you're waiting, you're waiting. As long as you get it, there's nothing like it, in my opinion. And, you know, obviously the Red Sox were a good example of that and uh, for a long time, and then Chicago. And have you ever had that job? See, I, I always forget, which, it doesn't seem like you're a fan of, of, of any team, like, really passionately. Uh, no, not anymore. I, I was when I was younger. If, you know, when I was younger, had the Bears won a Super Bowl when I was, you know, a teenager, that would have been something. Like, oh, So man, you were a Bear. Been... Okay. Yeah, so, so 85, you're too young to remember 85. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I, oh, I, you know, looking at bragging. You, like, I don't well, remember the, the Super Bowl shuffle. Come I mean, on. I, I, I can tell you, because I, I watched enough of the highlights, because they were so bad for so long afterwards, that I watched enough of the highlights to go, okay, so that's what it was like for all those people that could enjoy it but i i couldn't really enjoy it you know at the time i tell you this for whatever reason during the pandemic i was researching the 80s bears and they had one of the best four-year stretch i mean they had the one super bowl it felt like kind of like a flash in the pan but they had one of the best four-year stretches in nfl history the year like 14 and two and yeah i mean yeah yeah, so the year after they were 14 and two and they lost in the uh divisional round to uh washington washington okay beat them at soldier field Think about that because it was the year before '85 when San Fran beat him, and yeah. Ditka was so mad that Chicago. And this is <laughs> this has been confirmed because the guy who did, you know, the first prop that really mattered was the Fridge Perry in '85. Would he score a touchdown? Because those not as young as Jonas will remember. <laughs> the Fridge was the first non-offensive player. Ditka was giving him. You know, chances in the red zone, and he was scoring, right? It became a phenomenon, the fridge. And the odds opened up, and the guy in town here, Jimmy Vaccaro, still bookmaking, he was at the Mirage at the time. He opened up the fridge like 40 or 50 to 1 to uh, score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And it, it swept the country. USA Today's talking about, everyone's talking about it. It ends up closing like at three to one. Imagine it got bet so much from forty to one <laughs> to three to one. And the rumor in town was at the time I've heard is that Dicka was so mad that Vegas made 49ers a nine point favorite the year before and it demoralized his team over Chicago in the playoffs. He wanted to hurt Vegas. And when he heard about the Fridge prop, that's why he gave Fridge the ball in that blowout. And Walter Payton didn't get his touchdown because Dicka was going trying to stick it to Vegas. Yeah. What do you think I, of that? Because I, I think it was the guy before on the Niners. It was a guy McIntyre. I want to say it was Guy McIntyre that he gave the ball to. He was so mad at the 49ers for running a, a, a defensive player. Uh, I think oh, it was okay. Guy McIntyre. And so he was so upset at Bill Walsh that he remembered that play the next year, and that's why he started using the fridge because he was oh, so bothered okay. by it. Yeah, so I remember so, hearing that story as well. So what you're telling the nation is, though you were too young, you're so educated in sports, you've just read all this stuff about it. I mean, so. 
Is that what right? you have to do. I, I wasn't there when the Bible was written, so I had no choice. <laughs> I just got to read it, you know? <laughs> and Every night before bed? <laughs> Not before bed, no. All right. Here's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to be a little preachy because I'm going to tell you why I think that Deshaun Watson talk is just plain wrong. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Okay, smartest audience in talk radio, sports talk. Time to listen up because this is a little bit nuanced. And I believe that about our audience. People sometimes say, RJ, boy, you're against the players. It's like, God, no. I mean, my dad was a coal miner, my mom a school teacher. I grew up in a town with 4,000 people. I'm the underdog. I get that. But I also understood the only thing that could give me any hope to get out was the idea of merit, the idea that if I did well enough, I would succeed. doesn't matter who your dad is, your mom, it doesn't matter. That's kind of the American dream, right? And I'm not one to talk about, what about the kids? You know, what about the kids? What are the kids going to think? But maybe in this case it is, what about the kids? Because what I don't understand about the Watson situation, Deshaun Watson, is what is the case that he should break the con- that he should have the right to break his contract? I don't even understand the case. Now, maybe I'm naive. But I'm going to harken back to the old show Dallas. There was a great character, Jock, and this is what Jock said. I came to see you not too long ago. All I wanted was an extension on the loan. Deal's a deal, you said. I believed it then. I believe it now. Deal's a deal. So you sign a contract, and then for some reason you don't want the contract to matter, but you keep the money. Like, we can keep talking. I'm not sure what else is going to be said that matters. What I know that some people might say is, well, you know, Houston's just a a train wreck. It's like, okay, tire fire. Okay, maybe. But you know what? What has really changed? And Jonas, I'll ask you, not saying you're for Watson or not. What has changed from the time of the signing of the contract and the banking of the money and now? Uh, they went four and twelve. Okay, and so and I, I, that's the thing. I I don't understand this. I mean, the whole GM thing. You could say he didn't get enough. Uh, you know, but input. okay. I mean that that's fine. But this idea that it's just the most awful place to be. Or, or if it was so awful, why was he thanking all those guys and crying after they traded DeAndre Hopkins when he was signing the contract? He should have been celebrating exactly. Hopkins leaving, saying I, you're getting away from here finally. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand it. I don't understand uh, the, everybody running to to bail him out in this. I, I think he's totally out of line. I think Russell Wilson's out of line. I don't understand any of it. I really don't. Now, I do believe there's one way you could make the case that he should he should be able to say the deal doesn't apply. It's if somehow the game is rigged. If it's like, well, yeah, we want the owners to um, honor their contracts because they never not. And you might say, well, what about cutting people? That's the contract. The contract is they can be cut. Some of the contracts negotiate a lot of guaranteed money. 
Some don't. Everyone has the right to negotiate whatever they want in that regard and whatever someone will agree to. But to me, the idea that if somehow the owners are just exploiting every chance they get, they're deceptive, they're lying, they're cheating, they're stealing, the game's rigged, so I'm not going to follow the rules either. I actually think if you're in a rigged game, you shouldn't follow the rules. Yeah. I just don't understand what the, how this game is rigged. And when I say game, I mean the game of a quarterback in the NFL and how much money he makes where he plays. And if you teach a kid, what are we teaching the kids? Well, yeah, he did make a deal. He did get paid a ton of money, but he doesn't want to play. And we support him here because we are men of the people. We're a family of the people. We're a talk show of the people. Yeah, you're not, first of all. You're not a talk show of the people, all the ones trying to act like it. And even if you were, you got to think the people have enough uh, discipline, character, that they're going to say, okay, if the guy's getting screwed over, he should do something about it. But if he's not, take your $40 million a year and play. And think about the fans, maybe, because the fans, whoever did something wrong, the fans in Houston didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And I listen, I from all accounts, Deshaun Watson's a nice guy. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm saying his actions in this case do not deserve support. And when they're supported, I do think it gives the wrong message. All right, when we come back, we've got a trend in the college basketball tournaments that everyone thinks is not a moneymaker. It used to make money. But there's a way you can actually make money on this trend. We'll be the first to tell you about it. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan, and R.J. Selection Sunday for the NCAA tournament is this weekend. We've got conference tournament games taking place right now, but we will find out the field of the NCAA tournament coming up here in just a couple of days from now. Yeah, and I tweeted this out, so if you want to follow some of the numbers, it's at R.J. in Vegas, at R.J. in Vegas. And Jonas, this is one of the most telling trends and takes I've ever seen. This is like it was made in a lab to make a case. And here's what the trend is. The trend is if you have a conference final, a conference final, bet under the total. Now, under the total means the total points of both teams is over under 180 or whatever it is, and you can go over or under. And if you go back, and this is work a fellow named John Ewing did the original work on. We were listening to Jock Ewing on the quote a little bit ago. Now, you know, another Ewing here <laughs> is the idea of why is the what's the result on these unders and why. And then we're going to explain how important this is about understanding the genius of Vegas. Is from 2005 until 2017. So up until you know four seasons ago, counting this season. Unders went 58%. That's straight cash homie, as they would say. Okay, 58% under. But since 2018, so 18, 19, 20, 21, 
only 47%. So it's like, okay, that trend worked for a long time under conference finals, conference tournament finals, but it's done. Now, why would it go under? It would go under because of intensity, right? It's for the conference championship, and the more intensity means more defense. It also means there's more nervousness. So the jumpers aren't quite hitting, and also more apprehensiveness. It's like, oh, I'm going to shoot. You're not playing as freely because the pressure's on. A good analogy would be the first quarter of the Super Bowl. It's got all of that intensity on defense, conservativeness, nerves. Okay, so under, less scoring. That's what we'd expect. Now, why would the trend have ended? That's the question. Because it really did end. It's now a losing trend for four years. And this is what we suspected. And McKenzie, pregame.com research, did some really good work on this. He, we said, well, what was the opening number? Because remember, the numbers open, and then they're bat, and then they close. In hindsight, we always grade based on the closing number, whatever it closed at, right? So if you look at it, even during these four years, the trend seemed to die. They went, these games went under compared to the opening number. The opening number over 60% of the time. So it's like it was better than before. But then on average, the lines moved three and a half points down. And the unders graded against the closing number were losers. So what does that teach us? One, it teaches us be careful of line moves. You don't want to bet the late number. But two, this is the way trends die, is the public becomes aware of them. They start to bet them. The betting affects the number. And now it's more expensive to play it. And if you play it late, it's not that the rationale that happened on the field is wrong or on the court. It's rather the pricing changes. And at the new price, it's a loser. At the old price, it's a winner. And I'll tell you something. When it comes to the genius of Vegas, it shows you Vegas takes all the winning information and adjusts the line. And that's what you got to bet against. And that's why it's so hard to win. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com for a deep dive into the Cam Newton and Tom Brady contracts with their respective teams. We are back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio, and as always, on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 